Hey, yo, 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 what is going on, my people? This is John Ross Marcus Cox coming back to you here with the Way Too Much JRMC podcast. Hope everyone's having a awesome weekend with their uh, with their with their friends and family, enjoying this last weekend of regular season NFL. I know I've had a, I've had a great weekend. Started basketball, been rolling around on the floor. As you can tell, I'm already Marty Horst from having coached my oldest daughter, my oldest son, yesterday. Um, but that's the reason we I, reason at least for me. It's a lot of reason I do all this stuff, anything, any this stuff that I do. So yeah, just here real quick. Um, appreciate all y'all for listening, watching, all that good stuff. You can find me on pretty much all the socials at way too uh, just by searching way too much JRMC. That's W A Y number two M U C H J R M C. Except for Facebook because they apparently banned me and whatevs. I didn't do I don't I didn't do anything on there. I use it for like marketplace. We buying like used 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 clothes and stuff on there. I don't know what they're talking about. Um, <clears throat> you can also find me on any of the audio. Well, I don't say any. Most audio platforms. If I've ever forgot one, somebody send me an email. Let me know. Find me on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Music, yada yada, all, all that good stuff. All those uh, platforms. Um, you can find the video version on my Rumble channel or on YouTube. And I normally try to put in the show bio, show, I said bio, show bio or show notes, or whatever my my link tree where you can click a link and then go over and you pick whatever uh, your favorite platform is in order to watch so yeah appreciate y'all for coming back uh if y'all do enjoy the show today or if you don't make sure you hit the like button hit the dislike button if you like it hit the subscribe button and you know, try to see you know, comment on the show share it around you'll know, get us get, get get what we're doing here in the algorithm and help us uh help me keep this thing going so appreciate appreciate you guys so yeah so it is january 8th 2023 and last week was the first Week of the Kentucky General Assembly legislative session, and let me just say this: <clears throat> what a how quickly things can change. I've been involved for less than a year, and last year, let me let me tell y'all, I was a uh, I was spooked walking around in there. I'd have I'd have uh, I'd have appointments, and then from appointment to appointment, I'd have my head down. You know what I'm saying? Like nervous. Nervous as could be, scared that somebody was going like, somebody was going like figure me out and like, or just like make eye contact with me. You know what I'm saying? And I was going to be like all shame myself or just nervous or whatever. But a lot of times I just felt like I was down in the building begging. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't know, I didn't know anyone, any of that stuff. Well, this year I tried to make it a thing where I wanted to have some, you know, some other constituents come with me and shadow or, you know, just kind of see how to go about the process, all that. So I had that. We had a, I had a couple of people come down this week, and let's just say, like, um, I feel like I feel like I feel like felt pretty, um, pretty G when I was in there, because now it's like I know everybody. You know what I'm saying? I know this. I know the recept. I know all the receptionists, the legislative assistants. Um, as I went from being a total outsider last year to now feeling like uh, I meet. I don't know. I this is nothing to me tooting my own horn. It's just to me. It's just. Uh, it's just, I mean, this quintessential Amer- like American story. You know what I'm saying? Like, getting the trenches, putting the work, and if you're if you if you're doing good stuff and you got the right message, people just respond or whatever. You know, but I listen. I do get that little bit of that uh, at, at hillbilly turn to me. Everybody's trying to you know. So, There'll be, be guys back or legislators back walking in the hallways behind the thing, and I'll hear like a John Cox yelling at me from the hallway. And the people in the, in the lobby are just like, Who is this dude? And I'm like, I'm nobody. You know, don't worry about it. I'm nobody. So, yeah, but I'd say this week alone, probably had direct interaction with, I don't know, 20, 25% of our legislators. I mean, I know that sounds wild I mean, in in a week, but it's like I was down there about every night till seven. I one night I left my last appointment at eight p.m. I mean, so you know, one one thing it tells me is we got we're getting reps down there that are that are they're really like and senators that are they're in it to win it, like they're down for the cause. You know what I'm saying? They're staying, they're staying there to that late too. Um, also tells me that we are on the right 
you know, on the right track. Um, and like, you know, it'd be very easy for these people to ignore me and not meet with me, not talk to me or whatever. And we're, you know, that's not, that's not what I've, what words, what I'm experiencing right now. So I'm very grateful for that. Uh, grateful that God has, uh, put me in the position he has and hopefully I am keeping my nose down and doing, doing things the right way and all that stuff. But that's where I want to start out this week is just kind of talking about just general thoughts and, you know, stuff as far as what the legislative process is like, um, what it's like behind the scenes, but like while, while the decisions being written, being discussed, all that stuff, you know, and I'm learning more and more just how problem, just how big of a problem like the lobby is. All right. Like I don't just mean, I'm not just meaning like left wing lobby groups. You know, I'm like, I'm talking about the lobby left and right. Okay. When I say I'm the only civilian down there in that building, I am, I'm not, it's not an understatement. It's not hyperbole. Okay. Like I'm the only one. I literally, I, if I'm sitting out in the in, out in the waiting room and I turn my headphones off because I'm normally like jamming out some you know some Kevin Gates or something or some you know some kind of Southern rap or whatever my, I'm trying to get them pumped up for my next meeting. Yeah, all my all my uh, pastor rep buddies don't search Kevin Gates because you don't need to know I listen to that. Okay, but I, every time I turn my headphones down, it's like I hear there's all the lobbyists are talking about expense reports and how they're splitting up their lobby time and yada yada. And I'm just like, oh my god, like. I can't hardly I can't hardly deal with it, you know. But like, for me specifically here this this year, like what I'm seeing is, and this is why you know I, I'm trying to get my mind right because I do feel like I'm on the right track to where I'm probably going to start getting some pushback even from people even from right wing groups because up until now, like they I don't think they've ever been challenged as much to have like a civilian in there digging in you know, digging his cleats into the ground and like shoving the sled down down the field you know what i'm saying like they're you know, you know legislators lobbyists thought they're used to constituents coming to them with a with a with conceptual issues with problems to fix you know what i mean and then they're used to the civilians just stopping there and just trusting them to get it done and then what really happens is the legislators trust those groups to get it done and those groups, because they got mailing lists and they got donors and they want to keep getting to keep getting donations, they're being trusted to write strong legislation. But really, what I'm saying is they're start like they write legislation they that they think will will have the best chance of passing, instead of the legislation that needs to be written. Okay, and I'm also seeing that with our with the bill writers here, and like I've, I've had some conversations with some with some good ones. I felt like you know had good intentions and all that, but. They also think that way, and they're used to people coming to them with conceptual ideas and saying, "Okay, here's kind of what I'd like to. Here's the kind of bill I'd like to have, the law I'd like to have. See what you can get put together." And then they come back to a rep or a senator and say, "Okay, here's what it looks like," and they might they may amend it. They're not used to people coming and saying, "No, no, 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 you, no, no, you don't understand. I want you to copy and paste the what I've sent you over into the bill." I've met with attorneys. I've met with twenty other reps and senators i've met with constituents you know like i've met with people looking with attorneys looking at it from the angle of what could go wrong and looking at it from the angle of what would i what would i want this to say so that i could win in court because right now i'm not winning so like they're not used to just coming and saying like hey i've already got this written you know what i'm saying like file it and like you know every time i start to get a little um standoffish or hesitant and think like okay maybe i'm just maybe, maybe i don't know what i'm doing right here or whatever i realize like you just gotta be super assertive and you just gotta like you just gotta know what you want and then when they when you start when you're getting my this is this is my strategy i try to get no's as quickly as possible that way i know that what i how i need to change or adapt or whatever but I'm seeing down like, as far as how things work in Frankfurt, and I bet this is like it's in Washington. It's like people are so used to getting no's when they're hearing yeses, they can't even hear them. Okay, so that's one thing I'm going to say when I'm talking about this parents' rights bill that we're going to talk about today and over the next couple next couple podcasts. 
This is what I tell reps. When I'm talking to you about this bill, or any bill for that matter, I'm not asking you if you think it will pass. If you think the other 138 legislators in this in this legislative body will, will vote for it, I'm asking you, do you support it? If the answer is yes, that's all I need from you. I actually prefer that no one else is even going around talking about whatever it is I'm talking about because I feel like I know it better than anybody and I just rather do all the trench work. I don't need any of the glory. I don't need I don't need any recognition, none of that. I don't I want to go room to room, office to office, meeting to meeting, and I'll and I'll spread the message. And then you just vote for it when the time comes. But I'll I'll see that like people get caught up in this. Well it won't pass. Well it won't pass. I'm like, damn it, I don't care. I'm not asking you that. I'm not asking you if you think that there needs to be more watered down language so in order to pass. What I'm saying is let's at least try first. Okay, that's the goal here. And so, you know, I'm seeing some I'm seeing some of that. You know, but more than anything, man, it's like I do feel like there we we just got some we do in here in Kentucky, we got some we got some good reps, especially on the we got some we got some decent senators. We got some, we have a few really good senators. I think we got I think we have a few other ones that are that are decent or pretty good or at least that I I ain't got to them yet. I ain't got to give them like the, the locker room speech yet. Once we do that we'll know what we got. But on the house side of our legislature in Kentucky, we do have some really, really phenomenal house reps and like ones that, you know, I've been working on some stuff that's similar to what they've been working on. And I've just others that I've used their lang their language and their bills and stuff like that. And like I really do feel like we've started we've started to develop this uh started to develop a culture of teamwork. Teamwork makes the dream work. And like casting aside egos and like realizing that man, it's it's just a new day and age. Before before last sessions, like there was this little literally no communication, right? And everyone was always afraid of stepping on each other's toes, and we were doing things the old way. We're done with the old way. We got too much. This stuff's too important to get caught up in that in that nonsense. All right, and I kind of see myself as a barometer of how well that's working. Because here's the deal: those lobbyists down there, they're getting paid to be there. So even ones maybe that the reps or senators don't like, they're still going to talk to them because they think that's that they just see think like, well, okay, well, that's all I got. Those only people I got to help me at all. So I got to like work with them. But with me, they have no, there's no obligation for them to talk to me. Like they don't get anything from it. Right. Like they're not like I ain't buying them coffee or lunches or anything. I mean, they literally could all be like, we're done talking to this redneck son of a gun. Like, get him out of here. And they'd have to do it. I mean, sorry, and I, I'm not, not they have to do it, but I'd, I'd have to listen to it. I mean, there's nothing I could do about it, right? But they continue to listen to me. They continue to meet with me and continue to text with me and call, talk to me on the phone and all that because they know that we matter. It has nothing, like, again, I ain't tooting my own horn. I'm just a representation of you all. Like they know, they know, and they saw last last session with the mass mandate amendment that we got filed and got out of the house. That like, I they know that I'm not. I'm down there as a conduit of information from the people. It's not John Ross, Marcus Cox. I don't really, I don't matter that. I don't matter like that. All right, so. So yeah, so we got you know last we got tons of bills filed in there. The bill, this parental rights bill that I've been working on, me and Josh Calloway and Lindsey Titchener and you know several others of us. Uh, I'm not I'm not going to use other names, not because they don't deserve to be named, just because I'm just, you know they may not want me throwing their names out on on a podcast. Um, you know, but uh, the one that we've been working on, you know, <laughs> we sent over the final draft at 4:30 a.m. on Friday morning and thought it was. We thought it would get filed on Friday afternoon when they were in session, but they ended up adjourning after 45 minutes and it didn't get in there. So we're still going to have an official official draft that we can share around. That's what I'm going to be, you know, reading from and talking about in this in this in the rest of the show. Um, but just know that there's all kinds of talks going on, and like I really do think we got we got some something special going on. 
okay, we got some, we get, we're trying to work on getting some, whenever it was going to, when it was supposed to get filed on Friday, like we were anticipating having between, somewhere between like 18 and 24, like immediate co-sponsors. All right, and on this type of a bill, everybody's like, every time I talk to someone who's like, from the establishment or been around for any given time, they're like, man, there ain't no way it's going to pass. And I'm like, I'm not worried about that. All, I, all I'm trying to do is get people to sign on to the bill. If you, if you, or if you plan to vote for it, if you'll vote for it, if you support it, just co-sponsor it. That's the first step. We got to get 51, we got 51 people vote for it in the caucus before, before they'll bring it to the floor. So that's, a, that's, that's, that's step number one. So <clears throat> before we get into the bill, I'm going to, we're going to talk, I'm going to read about three, uh, three articles here okay and they're all going to segue into this into what we're going to talk about with the parental rights bill i think i've i've dubbed it the parental rights and education and childhood protection act of 2023 so parental rights in education and childhood protection act i think both those things are pretty daggone important so this is from january 4th 2023 from wdrb JCPS, Jefferson County Public Schools, sues sues over Daniel Cameron decision on mask rules for public meetings. Jefferson County School Board is suing to challenge Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron's determination that the board illegally barred a Louisville man from attending a public meeting in August because he he refused to wear a mask. The board filed a lawsuit Tuesday in Jefferson Circuit Court seeking to reverse Cameron's December 5th decision which said that the school board violated the Kentucky Open Meetings Act when it barred Kurt Wallace. Shout out to Kurt Wallace. He's a freaking soldier. All right. And like, y'all think I go hard in the paint? My dude Kurt is like, I mean, like, I'm a pedestrian compared to Kurt. Like, dude knows he knows what he's doing and he, he ain't playing games. He's playing for keeps. So appreciate you, Kurt, from attending the board's meeting on August 2nd. First of all, isn't it crazy that he didn't roll on this till December 5th? And this happened on August second. Pandemic, all this like all this stuff's been going on for over two years, and we're just now getting something like this. Wallace refused to comply with the school's board policy, school board's policy, which at the time required him to either wear a face covering or take a COVID nineteen test to attend the meeting at the Van Hoos Education Center, according to the lawsuit. School board argues that having no control to limit the spread of communicable diseases at its meetings would curtail public participation and put staff and teachers at unreasonable risk. Kentucky law says public agencies must allow public attendance of their meetings, but agencies are allowed to impose conditions required for the maintenance of order. It's all they, they can they can impose conditions required for the maintenance of order. Cameron found that a mask or test requirement is intended for maintaining public health, but it has nothing to do with maintaining order, according to the December 5th decision. Cameron's decision would require public agencies to permit in-person attendance for anyone Presently infected with a communicable disease, whether it be COVID-19, chickenpox, measles, polio, Ebola, etc., the school board alleges. Now, notice this. They only reference, like, the scariest diseases on the planet. But technically, what they're saying is they could bar you if you simply had a cold and they knew about it by testing you or seeing that you got like you got symptoms or whatever because it would be possible to spread it to someone else that's that's immunocompromised so you tell me if the spirit of the law that says that you are that you're allowed to impose conditions required for the maintenance of order you tell me if the intent of that is to allow school boards to arbitrarily drop a dime anytime they want to require you to test or be vaccinated or anything for whatever for whatever health like issue that they think is an issue you tell me if that's a sustainable standard the attorney general's decision places the public meeting attendance rights of persons with communicable diseases above those of the public at large and forces public servants to risk exposure to potentially life-threatening diseases simply to do their jobs, according to the lawsuit. Yes. Yes, it does. It, 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 it absolutely does. 
And guess what? Let me give you a news flash. It has been like this. It's been that way in this country for 250 years. Because every person's different. Literally every person, like, one thing that one person will see no health effects from and their immune system just, just kills it and moves on would will may kill the next person that will walk, that walks by okay so literally that's when i say that they could they could enforce this over a cold i mean the flu kills thousands tens of thousands of people every year so are they i mean it would not be a far stretch of the imagination that Jefferson County School Board or the Loudoun County School Board in Virginia or San Francisco School Board could say we are, we're testing for the flu from now on because it kills tens of thousands of Americans and we are protecting our most vulnerable. You either got to test or, sh or, or show a vaccine. That, that's not far-fetched. That's what's on the line with these decisions, with these court cases. That's what is on the line. It's not arbitrary. It's not petty. I mean, this is the, I mean, this is like the definition, def, definition, and what's that? <laughs> that's the definition of personal liberty. The difference nowadays is that never in our history have we ever just tested, blanket tested everybody and knew, and knew what everybody was infected with, even asymptomatic people. Who, I mean, we don't even know how many people walk around on a daily basis. Like this isn't the first. Like, they act like it's the first time there's ever been asymptomatic people. Well, guess what? It's the only time we've ever known of it because we've never tested asymptomatic people. It's it, it's it's idiocy. It's idiotic. It's stupid. Totally unsustainable and ridiculous. Because if this is if this is the if this is the standard from here on out, from here on out, every single one of us is responsible for any unintended consequences that comes from us being out in the general public. Regardless of our intent, regardless of what we knew, regardless of how fat and unhealthy the other person was that got sick because, like, I'm in the gym doing pull-ups every day and running miles, and I'm taking care of myself. And so the, the flu may be... I'm infected with it, but it doesn't show signs because I have a good because I have a strong immune system. But then anyone else on my cock side of the family that's unhealthy and got diabetes and all that, like I'm I'm on the hook when I didn't even know I was I had the flu, but it killed them. Am I on the hook for that? That's what this is saying, people. It's ridiculous. God almighty. These people are crazy. I'm gonna jump. Watch, I'm, I'm gonna run this one. next one. This is uh, this is from this is also from WGRB. Louisville woman pleads guilty in case involving refusal to quarantine after COVID diagnosis. Remember when they were trying to they were telling you couldn't go to church and get an Andy Bashir was uh, trying to lock you up and had state troopers outside taking down your license plates and all that. This is back. This is back and all that. So a Louisville woman. This is from December eighth, who was arrested in 2020 after allegedly refusing to self-quarantine following a COVID-19 diagnosis, has pleaded guilty to a misdemeanor charge of criminal mischief and will avoid incarceration. She was arrested originally on April 27, 2020 at a Kroger store on South 2nd Street here in Louisville and charged with multiple counts of felony wanton endangerment. Felony wanton endangerment. Every single one of us leave our houses many times throughout the year knowing that we don't feel good. Knowing that we're probably infected with something. But, but the baby's got to eat and I ain't got no eggs or no, and no milk. I got to go get it. Felony wanting a danger. Burnett, which is 40, had been ordered by a Jefferson Circuit Court judge to self-quarantine at home. Burnett was sentenced, listen to this, she was sentenced to two years in freaking jail. Two freaking years. This is America, which will be conditionally discharged as long as she stays out of trouble 
and pays the city restitution of about $800. There's a 0% chance this woman has $800 in the bank to pay this. Okay? And what this is saying is if she gets in trouble again, catches another charge, she may get two years added on her sentence because of the government trying to tell people they couldn't leave their freaking house because they had coronavirus. That is absolutely ridiculous. And if you're okay with that, stop listening to the show. Okay? Make sure the next time you see me in person, you let me know, hey, listen, we are not on the same team. I actually want to live in a different America than you. Tell me that. Because I'm, I'm starting to think that's where, we're, that's where we got to go. Is we got we to live in different places. All right, so now I'm going to start moving towards talking about this parental rights bill. And again, some of this stuff, and none of it's controversial. It's all sad that we're having to talk about it. But people that say it ain't a problem, go back and listen to the first show. You'll, you'll hear the first, one of the first instances where I'm showing you that it's a problem. This is from Daily Wire back on December 23rd. Federal judge says school hiding kids' gender transitions doesn't shock the conscience, throws out parent lawsuit. <sighs> yeah, this is frustrating. A federal judge has thrown out a lawsuit from Massachusetts parents who accused public school officials of hiding their children's gender transitions from them. U.S. District Court Judge Mark Mastroianni, an Obama appointee, criticized Ludlow Public Schools officials for allegedly hiding the pair of siblings' gender transitions from their parents, but he said the officials' actions do not shock the conscience. That term matters because it's a term they use in Massachusetts law. While the court is apprehensive about the alleged policy and actions of the Ludlow Public Schools, with regard to parental notification, it cannot conclude the decision to withhold information about the children from their parents meets the conscience-shocking legal standard in Massachusetts, the judge wrote in his December 14th ruling. Back in April, parents Stephen Foote and Marissa Silvestri filed a lawsuit in Massachusetts federal court against staff members at Paul R. Baird Middle School, as well as the elected school committee in the town of Ludlow, just east of Springfield, Massachusetts. School officials impermissibly inserted themselves into the private realm of their family, violating their rights to make decisions regarding their children's upbringing, mental health, and well-being, the parents wrote in, the, in their lawsuit. Remember, remember our wording in our, in our parents' rights bill. We are saying, okay, we're saying that the, the parents, the, the interest of parents includes the high duty and, nur- and right to nurture and direct their children's destiny, including their upbringing and education, their mental, emotional, and physical health care, and their moral and religious development. That's what we're saying that parents have the rights to, and I, and I agree, I wholeheartedly believe in that. The parents claimed that school officials failed to inform them that their two children, an 11-year-old 11, 11 girl and a 12-year-old boy, were transitioning to a gender other than the one corresponding to their biological sex. I don't even need to know the circumstances. If that's true, it's a damn shame. The 11-year-old girl allegedly emailed school staff in February 2021 and announced that she wanted to go by a cluster of new pronouns. Everybody listen up. If you ain't paying attention to me right now, if you're cooking, doing laundry, phone clothes, something like that, and you kind of just listen to this and uh, you just my voice just soothes you and helps you get ready for bed at night, actually listen right now. So she sent that she sent that email off. Afterward, a school counselor allegedly, and they say allegedly when they know they have the when they ha- they have the information, but they haven't got to get it in front of a judge yet. Okay, but they have they have documents showing this. Sent an email to staff ordering them not to tell her parents about the gender identity change. They they masked the kid's identity for privacy purposes. It, says blankety blank is still in the process of telling his parents and again this is a this is a biological girl of telling his parents and is requesting that school staff refer to him as masked word their name there and use she her pronouns with her with with her parents and in written emails letters home 
So even this article, this, this, is a, this, is a quote from, this is a quote from the email, okay? They, they pulled this from the email. They can't even get it right. Listen, it says, is still in the process of telling his parents and is requesting that, that school staff refer to him as blank and use she, her pronouns with her parents and in written emails, letters home. So they, this guy, this counselor, actually, I mean, exhibits the like asinine nature of what this, what's happening. He literally, it's like, and he refers to this to this child as a his and a him. Okay, so actually, this is talking about this is talking about the, the, the son, I think. But then says use she her pronouns with her parents. So he says his parents and her parents in the same email talking about the same talking about the same person. So if you're confused right now because the way I've said this, it's like perfect. Okay, so it should because because it, it is. So interesting. So this is instructing staff to use one set of pronouns, names in school while he's in, while they're in school, with the student, and a whole nother set with the parents. So use the biological terminology that was assigned to this kid at birth with the parents. Use what they're asking at school. So again. We know how high the suicide ideation rate is with children that are in this situation. They could be at home and the parent and like parents could be thinking like, "Oh, something's wrong with little, little Johnny," and have no idea that they're dealing with this at school because these adults think they're being think they're being kind. They think they're being nice. That they're doing. They, they think they're doing the right thing. When what they're really doing, what they're really doing is just allowing this stuff to fester. It's the same thing as, as you being, you know, like, listen, my dad died of a drug overdose. My granny let him live there in her house for years and years and years and years, doped up. We'd be, I'd go over there for a night of eating dinner and he'd be, we'd be sitting at the table. And he'd be knocked out with his head tilted backwards. And then he'd catch himself and about fall over on the floor. My granny knew it and she let him. She let him do it. All this is do all they're doing is aiding the is aiding in the bet in this like this this activity. The parents also said in court filings that they had previously even asked school staff not to have they had asked them specifically to not have private conversations with their children about gender. However, they discovered that the superintendent, principal, guidance counselor, and teachers all ignored that request and were using the children's new pronouns. Later, the school even fired a teacher, Bonnie Manchester, 48, for telling the girl's dad that she was transitioning to genderqueer. In his ruling earlier this month, throwing at the parents' lawsuit, Mastri Oyani or whatever, pointed to the requirement in Massachusetts for school officials not to discriminate against students on the basis of gender identity. So again, they right now, if our people, if our legislature, if our state legislature doesn't do something, right now as we speak, teachers are being told through policies, practices, procedures, directives, whatever the hell you want to call it, they're being told not to tell you this stuff. And new studies show what used to be something that was less than 1% of the population. It's somewhere around like 5%. I think it might might be higher than that. Of kids. I'm going to use that low because I know know it's it's at least that number. But I'm going to go back and do the research again. I'll give you the exact number. I think it's much higher than that actually. Or if kids are actually experiencing or thinking they're experiencing some of this stuff. So even here in the state of Kentucky, p- teachers are being told not to tell parents. So how can we know it's a problem if we ain't even being told about it? How do we know about the fight in Oklahoma in the girls' bathroom if the police report says it was three girls in a damn fight? When it was really a dude 
beating up two girls. I've had teachers here in the state tell me they wouldn't tell a parent if a 12-year-old was pregnant unless that 12-year-old was impregnated by, by criminal activity. So statutory rape. If it was another four, if it was a 14-year-old or another 12-year-old, they said they wouldn't tell them. So let's jump on into this. So not only are they, are they waiting on, on kids to come and tell them things, they're also going out and they're, I'm saying, I'm not, I'm not dogging teachers here. I'm talking about like the system when I'm getting into this is going out and searching for this stuff to happen. They, they're, they're, they're giving out questionnaires and saying, how many of you experience um, activity at home where, some, where one of your parents talks bad about someone with brown skin? How many of you have experienced or saw your parents take take pills at home? Stuff that stuff that's that vague. They are they are trying. They're trying to find a reason to drive a wedge between you and your children. I'm just telling you, it ain't the teachers. They're just implementing what they're being told to implement. Okay, the generals and the sergeants or captains or whatever are bringing in for, are, are bringing directives down to these non-commissioned officers. Okay. And they're telling the foot soldiers what to do. And they're doing it. And, and like, listen, a lot of, these, a lot of this stuff relies, relies on a chain of command, okay? Like, we can't survive in this world without some semblance of order. So I'm, it's like, I don't, it's like, which it shouldn't take a, a, a teacher revolt. Because I'm telling you right now what the problem is, and I'm telling you, you got somebody in the building down here that's, that's, that will help drive over the finish line, but the the language I'm about to read to you is we have to make them go with this language because anything short of it, they will find a loophole. So again, we're going back to our parents' bill of rights. Remember, we are, we're calling this thing, what I, what I tell you earlier? This is the Childhood Protection and Parental Rights and Education Act. Okay. Josh, it'll be, this will be Primary sponsored by Joshua Calloway from Hardin County. I think he might be in Breckenridge County too. It was almost this past week. It'll be filed that first week of February. But listen, the slew of people that'll be signing on this thing. Like I know, how, I know Joshua. He doesn't even want. He doesn't even want it to look like it's just his bill. We're, we're, when, we, when this thing gets filed, we want name. We want forty names on there as sponsors from the jump. So that everybody knows, like, this isn't any one rep's bill. This is the people's bill. This is the, the parent of this state's bill. So in accordance with Section 1 and 2 of this act, the parents should have the following rights as they relate to the parent's child in public school. Access and review. Should be able to access and review all educational records relating to his or her minor child. Any record associated with the selection of or approval of any guest lecturer, guest instructor, or outside presenter who participates in the child's education. If they're bringing in these people to do drag queen story time, I want to know who went about approving it. Actually, and we're going to get to that point, that part later about drag queen story time. They actually won't be able to do it, so we want to worry about it anyway. Any records in the possession of the school relating to third-party individuals and organizations contracted with the school the child attends. Here's a big one. Any student well-being questionnaire or health screening form used for research purposes. Now, you may say, well, they're still going to be able to do it. And you, you might find out about it later. Uh-uh. We're talking about informed prior consent. We're going to get into that. And opting in, not opting out. They're in an opt, opt-out in this bill. Parents must provide consent prior to a well-being questionnaire for health screening used for research purposes being given to the child. No school shall require a grant of general consent to these questionnaires or forms by a parent, but shall request consent spe specific to each questionnaire or form provided to the child. You may say, well, that, you know, that may get, paperwork may get cumbersome having to, having to have a permission for every one of the questionnaires. So be it, because we want it out anyways. We don't, we don't want it in there. You gotta have prior consent for a biometric scan of, of the child being made, shared, or stored by a school. So some of these schools, even like Henry County, was doing fingerprints for lunch numbers. I think give them a four-digit lunch number. Okay. Any record of the child's DNA, yada, yada. 
prior consent for a video or voice recording of the child being made by the school, okay, unless it is made during or, or as a part of a court order procedure, forensic interview and a criminal investigation. We're not trying to impede anything to do with law enforcement, okay? We're not trying to make cops' jobs harder. And we're, you'll see throughout this, and I'll reference this, we're not trying to make teachers' jobs harder either. Or you know, school administrators that live in your community, we're not trying to make their job easier, their life harder either. It Harder either. <laughs> Sorry. So they also don't want to get prior consent for like document, regular classroom instruction, security or surveillance of buildings, grounds or, or transportation vehicles, so like cameras on buses, or or a video or voice recording that documents an extracurricular activity or public event where recording is common practice. Again, my football coaches that kill me. I don't think I went through this section already. Maybe I did. But so well. I'll go through it again. So they should, we we have the right to be able to go through all this without without signing a non-disclosure. They'll literally let you come in and review records and then make you sign a, a non-disclosure agreement. So if you find something that you don't like or that but that was that was against the law or that you felt was a problem, they'll make you sign a non-disclosure. You can't even tell any damn body. That's crazy. That's what's happening right now. Okay, you you deserve to see. Um, to, to receive, you deserve to receive without request. They should, they should have to give this to you. Any course syllabus or course reading list prior to the child's beginning of coursework or upon the child's enrollment in the in the in the course. If you have a syllabus or a course reading list, you should have to provide it. I should have to request it because if, you, if I have to request it, maybe it's because you're trying to hide it. Okay, now it's like again, we're not trying to make teacher jobs harder. Stuff's gonna come out, come up throughout throughout the semester. An article's going to be written, something's going to be published in a journal, whatever, okay? We can't expect them to do all that. But whatever the planned instruction is, yes. That's why they have planning periods. My mom's a teacher. Don't, don't, don't everybody, don't, like, I'm always trying to remind y'all, don't get stuff twisted. I don't hate teachers. I want, I want their job to be crystal clear what their job requirements are so they don't feel pressured by the higher-ups to keep things from your, from the parents, which is exactly what's going on. They have, a, they have a right to visit their child at school during school hours unless the visit would disrupt the educational process of their children. All right, I ain't trying to make, I ain't trying to like, listen, we got some crazies out here. We can't be having everybody just walk up in there and try to hang out in the classroom and have 10 rednecks in there like acting a fool. You know what I mean? Everybody with their notifications on their phone dinging every, every three seconds. But if they, if they were, if we were to get this passed and they were to stop they would not be being reasonable about this, then they need to know. This year will set the tone. If you don't act in good faith, by God, we'll say that they can come in anytime they want to. They should be notified at the beginning of each school year or upon enrollment of all programs or health care services offered at the child's school. If they have to notify, if they have to put a list out of everything they offer in there, because here's the deal, especially with these guidance counselors, parents don't even know what all they're doing now. It ain't, listen, it ain't, these ain't you, these ain't, these ain't you daddy's guidance counselor, counselors, okay? They're basically being told to do clinical psych, psychologist work, clinical psychiatrist work, everything but write a prescription. They're diagnosing childhood trauma and child abuse and uh, everything. And they're mining for it. They're data mining for it. Whether they know it or not, I think some of them don't even know. Because I think, again, I think most of them are good people from the communities. <clears throat> they should be notified of any major changes in the child's mental, emotional, and physical well-being. At the beginning of the school year and upon a change of status. Okay, so listen, Jefferson County, listen to this. Right now, when it comes to our school resource officers, our armed SROs, because of the way we're recruiting, listen, there ain't enough people. LMPD's 300 short. Okay, our normal police departments can't find enough people. So until they change the way you can become certified and open up, open it up to veterans or teachers that want to go through, like, want to go through training, or retired police officers that are no, that are no longer active duty but have you know have training and, and can do something abbreviated until they change and make that. You know, open it up a little bit. They're going to be short, but they should at least, at least, 
at the beginning of the, every school year, they should have to tell you whether or not there is an armed SRO, school resource officer, on the your child's school premises. And I, yes, I mean an armed one, not a campus one that's floating around and it ain't really in the building. And then if there's ever a change in the status of that, so again, they, they can't notify you if, they're, if, that, if the SRO's out sick or on vacation. But if that, if that SRO gets fired or quits or gets transferred or something and there's not going to be one in the building, they should have to notify you of that at the very least. Okay? And this here's the one I'm most, I'm, I'm most excited about. Because, yes, we, I think our schools, for the most part, tell us things. But they, I, I do think they sometimes hold back until they get more information. And I do think they, from time to time, like, will think something ain't a big deal. So they'll decide what they're going to tell you. <laughs> but within one business day of, of, of the school attaining knowledge of the occurrence of the following incidents on, a, on the campus of the school the child attends. Okay, so they have to notify you within one business day if there's a physical assault, a sexual assault, the appearance of a weapon. Okay, if there's a police investigation that is, that is, that's begun, unless there's no report requested by the police. If there's use or possession of any controlled substance, except it's authorized under it's KRS 218A, don't worry about that. I mean, you can look it up if you want. They should be have to provide notice to the parent of any child involved in a bullying incident, okay, as defined by in KRS 158.148, and that's also we're going to talk about this later on in the bill. We are actually strengthening our what our bully, what our bullying statute, what is classified as that, and what their procedures are. Okay, <clears throat> but notice on and the other one is regardless regardless of the incident's location, they should have to notify you of any serious crimes, such as capital offenses, felonies, class A misdemeanors, of which a teacher or any other school employee who works at the child school campus is charged or convicted. You deserve to know that. That may seem excessive, but you know you could be charged with. You can be charged with sexual assault, domestic violence. You can be charged with stuff, and you ain't because of the collective bargaining stuff. Like you may not lose your job. You may you may never lose it. You may just get reassigned. There's a, there's a documentary on on uh, Hulu right now that was meant to be like this Me Too movement. It's meant to be like this thing that's supposed to be like so like men are bad, masculinity is bad, yada yada. Really, what it showed was how corrupt the educational system is. On when they find people that are that are like abusing children. It's just like the Catholic Church. Instead of firing them, they don't want to put up with it. They don't want to deal with it. They don't want, they don't want, the, they don't want the publicity. So they'll actually put in a letter of recommendation to transfer that parent or that teacher, sorry, not parent, that teacher to another school district. And no charges will ever be filed. Like I'll, find, I'll find the documentary name on that because it's, I mean, it is, uh, it's wild. Okay, and at the beginning of the school year upon enrollment, a report compiling the incidents outlined in subparagraph 4 of this paragraph. Okay, so notice in all, the, in all those things, physical assaults, sexual assaults, weapons, now that's, they, get, they have to notify every parent that goes to that school, that, as a child in that school. On the bullying thing, again, trying to show proof, trying to show people that we're acting in good faith here, not trying to like make it so cumbersome for school administrations or teachers or whatever. When it comes to there, there's going to be bullying going on every day in schools. Like, just to put it bluntly, like kids are a holes to each other. Okay, they we can't ex like we can't expect that to go out to every single parent every time it happens. Cause you run too ri you run the risk of just like oh just like over flow overpowering the system. But number two is like any y'all ever been on a group text message where you got some people that like to get a little tipsy and then send you like t 12 or 14 text messages at once and then, the, then everybody gets everybody sends one response back and then all of a sudden you look up and you haven't paid attention to that group text thread in a month because you get so many notifications I also don't want that to happen we're like we are we aren't even paying attention to these note these notices because they're so frequent you know um <clears throat> <clears throat> To guard the rights outlined in the entirety of this act, each local board of education or charter school board of directors, again, no pub, no, I mean, no private schools, no home schools, no pods, nothing like that. 
shall take necessary actions and shall adopt policies and procedures to notify the parents of each child enrolled at the beginning of the school year or upon enrollment of the parental rights outlined in the entirety of this act. So you should have to tell you your rights. That's why we're doing this. Some, some of the things we're putting in this bill actually are already statutes, but they're all over the place. They're chapters. They're all, they're all over the, the take you by statute chapters and codes. They're everywhere. So nobody knows what their rights are. We should have, we want it compiled. We want a list compiled for parents so you know what your freaking rights are. Okay, ensure that no information relating to a child that requires prior consent under the entirety of this act is created, collected, stored, or shared without the prior consent of the parent. Provide the opportunity to access, review, and receive in digital form without charge. Without charge. Any requested information involving a parent's minor child and permitted by the entirety of this act upon the written request of the parent within five business days of the receipt of this request. What's happening right now is a lot of times these parents, will, they'll, they'll do a FOIA or whatever or ask for, ask for information, and they just bombard you with paper. And if they know you're poor, they'll also say you've got to pay 10 cents a page for it. It's a, and what you ask for is a thousand pages. So now you owe me a hundred dollars. I hope that's right. <laughs> that's a lot of money for a lot of people for for a lot of people in this country. I think it's like less than twenty percent of this country has has more than a thousand dollars in the bank. Okay, they got to establish a process to receive complaints regarding anything in this anything in this act. Okay, this is this is very important. I think I did go over this last last. Episodes. I'm sorry that I'll do this again. They got to provide a process for resolving complaints within five business days, and then and then require a response to the complaint within 30 business days that outlines how the school will resolve the complaint, or a written statement of the specific reasons specific reasons for not resolving the complaint. So when you go to court, go to a judge. It's not like hearsay on, oh, I, this is why they did it to me because they were discriminating against me and they don't like me because I'm, you know, whatever. Nope. What are the reasons they gave you? Because if they're not good reasons, it won't hold up anyway. So they're going to have to be pretty explicit because, again, we're being very explicit to what your rights are in here. So we're taking out the ambiguity of it. Oh, and now I know why I'm reading this again because I think since, our, since the last episode, we've kind of combined some sections. Here's the, I know y'all, everybody's going to love this one. Y'all know I went hard in the paint last year for the mask mandate, vaccine mandate stuff. So prohibit the imposition of any requirement on any person as a condition for school admittance, employment, attendance, to participate or attend extracurricular activities, or to access or use property located in the Commonwealth of Kentucky, whether owned, leased, or operated by the institution. Public schools, any buildings they own, lease, or operate. So guess what? Norton Commons YMCA. That's where I go. That's where I work out. They they share a building with JCPS, Norton Commons Elementary. All right. The YMCA actually that their mask mandate was in place for like a month after Jefferson County's was. And Jefferson County, our mask mandate was already lunacy. So, uh, guess what? Y'all wouldn't be able to either. You might say, "Well, I won't rent. We won't rent from here." Okay, get, so be it. Don't share. Don't share bills with a public institution. Just like a church, you don't like the fact that uh, a devout atheist or a Satanist can walk into your church and vote because you're a polling place. Don't let your church be a polling place. The stuff goes both directions. All right, so they couldn't force the use of any type of medical device, including but not limited to any type of facial covering, or submit to any type of medical procedure or treatment, including but not limited to any type of vaccination or testing unless otherwise directed by a court. Okay. And I'll see here in a, here in a little while. We'll go. Th- we'll go through. Actually, this is this is the very first in at the very first of the bill now. So let's go into the co- caveats of that. Nothing in this act. Nothing in it shall apply to the provisions of KRS Chapter 402 relating to child marriage. Permit a parent to commit criminal abuse to a, to a child as defined in KRS Chapter 508. Alter the dependency, neglect, or abuse provisions 
of Kentucky statute contradict the requirements of KRS 158035 regarding certificates of immunization. Okay, so couldn't this require like single to take away the polio vaccine? Okay, I'm not saying that like right now schools technically can require any vaccine any any vaccine they want. We're at least gonna say schools you can only require the ones that are in that statute. So if you want more added to it, the legislature will have to do it. So we're closing that loophole. Okay, wouldn't apply to a parental decision that would end life. Wouldn't apply to a parental decision that would cause the minor child to undergo any medical procedure that would lead to, a, to probable long-term dysfunction, disfigurement, or that would mutilate the minor child's body, genitalia, or permanently impair reproductive function in any way. So, we're being very explicit on saying you ha we have rights as parents, and they are extensive. In fact, I should have read this. But I should have read this little bullet to you. Let me see if I can find it again real quick. It'll come up eventually. We're explicit about what your rights are. We're also explicit about what they're what they ain't. Okay, you don't have a right as a parent to go and mutilate your go and mutilate your kids' reproductive organs. Okay, give them gender transition surgery or whatever. Like you know, right now, maybe right now you do, but like again, we're making sure in this bill it's known that we do not. We're not saying that's a right, and that way, if other legislation comes around saying that you don't have that, you explicitly do not have that right. This doesn't contradict it. Okay, so. As you can see, we are trying to tackle some pretty significant stuff in this in this bill. And I apologize for any any overlap from the last from the last meeting. I'm sorry, last meeting, Lord, from the last episode. But again, like rep repetitions matter. I, I want I want you to know what's in the bill. Now I don't. It's like I, obviously I want you to vote for it. I want you to email and call and support it and do the do those calls to action. I ask you later on, but. I want you to have the opportunity, feel like you had the opportunity and you got, and you were provided with necessary information to understand it, to ask questions. And eventually we'll be posted. Obviously, eventually in February, this will be, this will be provided on the Legislative Research Commission on online, but we're going to, we're going to provide it to the public before that. But I'm telling y'all, this would be the strongest piece of parental rights and strongest or parental legislation be the strongest piece of legislation in as, in regards to pr protecting our kids' childhoods. They deserve the right to ha keep their innocence as long as they can, and to not be enabled by weak-minded adults, weak-minded people. Now, next up, next next show, we're gonna be getting into the real nitty gritty stuff. That's got I'm I'm like I'm excited to get into this these sections. All right, we're gonna be getting into some some privacy bathroom privacy um, issues. Getting into what is and isn't allowed in classrooms. Okay, what kind of discussions that kind of stuff. We're gonna be getting into what is what's what we're gonna what we are going to consider obscene for our children. Specifically, what's obscene for Kentucky children. I don't give a damn what California thinks is obscene for their children. Those people are crazy out there. Not all of them. I'll tell my individual people, so if you've got a sister-in-law out there or something. But as a whole, that state is acting, they are lunatics. So, I know what we think is obscene for our kids in Kentucky is different from what's obscene in California. Now, there's another conversation to be had, like, do we want to be on the same team with people that want to allow those things to go go on with their children? That's a legitimate conversation to have. And when I say team, I mean the United States of freaking America. That's a word team of 50 states, 50 equal states. Our Constitution and our common values are what holds us together. Other than that, it's just like, So, that'll be the next show. 
we'll get into some of that stuff. Again, thank I want to thank all y'all for listening. Um, I hope all y'all stay you know stay tuned and continue to listen listen to my content. I'm gonna start you know, continue to try to give you behind the scenes, you know, access to what's going on in, down in Frankfurt and that that kind of stuff. Um, hopefully, hopefully here soon we'll start having some legislators on for some interview top, you know, just back and forth, seeing how that goes. Um, so I've had a few that have told me that they're definitely interested and they think it'd be fun to do. But I'm just telling you right now, they're all open. They're all, they're, not all of them. There's many of them that are just so, I can see it in their eyes that they're just like, they're right on the cusp of just, they're like, of just running with the, this movement. And like, they think it's awesome what we're doing. Okay, and I'm going to keep it. I'm going to stay in the trenches for you, busting my pine in in the trenches. All right, but I need I need y'all here, right? Like, I'm only as important as you all. They're listening and watching. So I appreciate you. I'm going to get off here. I'm about to go to dinner with my wife and kids. I love them. And they are up there. Surprisingly, I'm surprised y'all can't hear them screaming and stuff up there. But I figure I need to give them some love on the Sabbath. So uh, appreciate you guys. Thanks a lot, and love you, and talk to you next time. This is way too much, JRMC.